0: Just think we were prepared you know one thing my uh my trainer he told me he said what did he say he just told us to be prepared it's always dealt with us every year and it's like oh well the saints can't do this because something or you know drew's gone and it oh i, I don't i'm the wrong person to ask because i don't care and i'm coming in every year to think that we're going to be the shit.
1: all right what up Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the uh, irreverent Saints podcast from Butcher Media, presented by Hornito's Tequila. I'm Jacob Krasno, alongside my co-hosts, Allison Whitlock and Sean Haspel. Um, we took a week off from podcasting. Uh, life got a little busy. I was in uh, New Orleans working on a TV show. No big deal. Um and you guys were doing your work thing and we just couldn't find the time to podcast. So we have a lot to catch up on. We've got two games, two games to talk about. One good, one bad. Um, I guess we'll start with Washington. Uh Saints won 33 to 22. Um, and this game had everything. Good Jameis, bad Jameis interceptions for both quarterbacks a hail mary good defense bad defense amazing special teams bad special teams uh i don't know how are we feeling about this i was pretty excited even though it was kind of all over the place
2: yeah i mean winning ugly is better than losing pretty you know um i really like it's the nfl like style points don't matter there's no like Associated Press top 25 poll like the power rankings don't mean anything all that matters is that the Saints are three and two going into their bye week despite like facing a ridiculous set of adverse circumstances between Ida injuries suspensions and like probably some other insane maladies that I'm forgetting to mention so um
0: and should have been four and one
2: And should have been four and one, which we'll discuss later. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. A travesty.
0: I agree, and i I think I hadn't digested like Jameis has some like pretty weird stat lines, right? Like, and not to mention the most erratic first half I've ever lived through watching my quarterback. I think, but he is one of the top five quarterbacks in total touchdowns and touchdown interception ratio, and we're the best in the league in red zone percentage, which like when I reflect on that feels like an odd stat, but it is true. And it's also true on the defensive side. So like that being said, from an efficiency perspective, without your top two wide receivers and just being overall beat up on, on both sides of the ball should feel really good going into the back half of the season with those injuries, sort of hopefully tapering off, um, regardless of to your point, like how ugly or not perfect any of our games were outside of week one
1: yeah this is still like a super half baked product we're seeing on the field like i just have no idea what to make of Jameis winston in the offense he has no weapons he has no help except for alvin Kamara, who looked absolutely yeah. superhuman on sunday but yeah, Jameis is on pace to throw for about 3,000 yards and 41 touchdowns through a 17-game season, which is like one of those stats that's like destined to be in the bizarre, like weirdest stats of all time, yeah. like SportsCenter Instagram posts. Like it's just <laughs> 41 touchdowns is something that will get you named the All-Pro team, but 3,000 yards in like today's game is – that's really, really low. That's less than two hundred yards a game, and he's averaging one hundred seventy-eight yards a game right now, which I don't think is what's going to end up being the final stat. But it's just—he's
0: uh, also averaging it, that with like multiple over fifty-yard throws. <laughs> so, like,
2: yeah, like right.
0: After it, that in.
2: Yeah, he—he he was, he was fifteen of thirty in this game, a clean fifty percent completion percentage with four touchdowns. So that means like he missed like all of his throws basically besides like <laughs> like <laughs> a couple a couple bomb touchdowns. So um, yeah, it's he's a mystery box. I mean, he's basically I saw it described on Twitter, um, Jameis Winston. That mean uh, meaning uh, that he was a Rorschach test. Basically, like whatever you want to see in Jameis Winston, like that's what you're going to see. You're either going to see the same guy who is like a total wild card and like is untrustworthy of being a franchise caliber quarterback. Or you could see a guy who has like an incredible arm and was drafted number one overall uh, when he was for a reason. And uh, the truth, I mean, is it's a cop out to Mm -hmm. say, but I think it's somewhere in between, you know, and it's like, incomplete to pass a grade on him. And I, I think I mentioned it on maybe our last pod or the, or the pod before, but uh, it's unfair to compare him to Drew Brees just in general, because I mean, Drew Brees is very like singular quarterback, like arguably like a t- top five quarterback in NFL history. And like to just compare him like a and B to Jameis is like unfair, but I do think there's some value in comparing Jameis this year to Drew Brees' first year in Sean Payton system when he yeah. was also 27 years old back in 2006. And through five games, uh, Jameis Winston has 13 total touchdowns and four total turnovers, combining fumbles and interceptions. Uh, and at that same point in 2006, Drew Brees had only five touchdowns and also four turnovers. So it's – I mean – uh, like,
0: and Drew Brees had wide receivers in yes. 2006.
2: Right? Yeah, let's forget. Let's think about all the weapons that Drew Brees had around him in 2006. I mean, we didn't know Marcus Colson was going to be Marcus Colton. Yeah, we did But he was still a 1,000-yard receiver as a rookie. Joe Horn and Devery Henderson yeah. um, were both still like very productive that year. Uh, all three of them would be better than any wide receiver on the Saints currently. And then you had a uh, rookie Reggie Bush who like uh, rushing and receiving was like well over a thousand yards combined and like I think 10 touchdowns or so. Like definitely like, I mean, he, we can do a whole pod about Reggie Bush and how he never lived up to like the Gale Sayers uh, expectations we put on him. But um, uh, I mean, he still was a super valuable and dangerous weapon who like, It probably isn't as good as Alvin Kamara is today, um, but uh, still was very valuable. And then Deuce McAllister was still like a bona fide starting caliber NFL running back, thousand yard rusher in 2006. That was his last year of health, unfortunately. But so like those, like all those weapons around a 27 year old Drew Brees put up that uh, previously mentioned stat line through five games. And Jameis is like, miles ahead of there. I mean, his completion percentage isn't great, but, um, he's, he's scoring touchdowns and not turning the ball over a ton, which I mean, as long as he keeps doing those two things and we'd like to see him be a little more consistent, moving the ball, sustaining drives, um, not having so many three and outs, but, uh, with this defense, as long as you're not making mistakes and you're giving us a bit of a lead, we're going to win a lot of games.
1: I I don't want you to gloss over our tight end one, two tight end combo from 2006 of Billy Miller and Ernie
2: Conwell. <laughs> Wasn't, was Ernie Con, Conwell the one who like ended up doing a scam or something and got,
1: no, 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 no. That was Kevin Hauser the long snapper.
2: <laughs> okay got it sorry ernie conwell if you're listening for falsely do not
1: blaspheme ernie conwell never forget we went to the palace theater one night in 2006 on like a school night or something to go to a movie and we ran into bill or uh ernie conwell and brian young the defensive tackle and they talked to us for like five minutes and walked us into the theater and they were like, this isn't even our movie. We just like appreciate that you guys are like fans
2: and that. Like, Bro, oh, I don't remember that us. at all, but I'm sure. I will never
1: forget
0: that person that has ever approached. Ernie
2: Conwell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we,
0: you walked up to Ernie Conwell. Today?
2: <laughs> oh, for sure. That's awesome. Oh man. But yeah. I mean, Jameis, he's, he's, it's, it's an incomplete grade, you know? Um, but Hopefully, we'll be getting back some of these uh, offensive linemen and uh, receiving weapons soon. Um, also, I guess we should we should mention in the Washington game, uh, I guess we alluded to some injuries that occurred. Fortunately, Taysom Hill took a nasty concussion shot to the head, and uh, Deontay Harris had like a mystery hamstring injury. So hopefully, they can be both back after the bye. It's also like weird, like those are the two of the guys that we also didn't have. Along with essentially with Michael Thomas during the Bucks playoff game, um, we saw how hurt our offense was last year for that. So it was just like weird that they both got hurt in the same game. Dante so,
1: Harris is our, I think, as, aside from Alvin Kamara is our best offensive player. Like he is our leading receiver in terms of yards. I think he only has two fewer receptions than Kamara has. Like he yeah. he is the wide receiver
2: one, if you want to say we have one right now. It's not, Calabay. yeah. I mean, that, that is a little tough to say. Just with Deontay, he's, he's so limited. We really only send him on like those deep routes, which is like super valuable to our offense, um, opening up the field for everybody else, but also the fact that Jameis can hit those routes now um, and he's scored with Deontay on a couple bomb touchdowns. Um, I hope that I hope Deontay is healthy and, and can continue in that role at the very least going forward. And especially once we get Michael Thomas back, that can uh, remove some safety help from over the top. From him, but um can I go on like a small rant about like Taysom Hill's injury real quick? Just like a small rant.
1: Why would you ask permission? Just do it.
2: it. It's just podcast etiquette, I suppose. So uh if you guys recall, like Taysom uh Jameis like slightly overthrew the ball and like Taysom like got a hand on it maybe, but like couldn't ring it in. And then William Jackson, uh the cornerback for the uh Washington football team, like basically like launched like textbook. Like dirty hit, launched with the crown of his helmet, like helmet to helmet, like immediately knocked Taysom out, Taysom out, had to be carted off. Um, and Taysom was out the rest of the game with like a pretty like obvious concussion. 15-yard penalty, and like we just got to continue on our drive. But like William Jackson's like still in the game. If that was college football, he would have been like immediately yeah. ejected for like the, the dreaded targeting rule. And right I there are like a lot of things wrong with how college football implements the, the targeting rule, but in the specific instance where a defensive player knows that they can knock out like in the NFL, like theoretically William Jackson knows that he could intentionally knock out the like theoretical best player on the opposing team. And the worst thing that's going to happen to him is that he's going to get a fifteen-yard penalty and a fine later later in the week. He gets to go on his game. So, 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 so by that logic, there's an incentive for him to like within the confines of the game to, to knock out the opponent's best player. Like at the very least, if you like knock out a guy in the process of committing in a personal foul, like you should be ejected from the game, like not suspended or whatever, but like if the guy you do a a, like egregious foul on can't play in the game, you also should not be able to play in the game. Like, does that like make sense? Like do you guys get what I'm saying? Yeah, Yeah, it does make sense.
1: Like there's, there's like two types of, of hits that have sort of like come under the umbrella of the targeting rule in college football. And like one of them Is what the rule is designed to prevent, which is the type of thing that happened to Taysom Hill, where there's a defensive player that's headhunting and is like, like actually putting the other player in, in like serious danger. Yeah. And then there are like the accidental targeting calls. where like it's just an open field play and both players happen to lower their head and the crowns of the helmet collide and like those calls i think there needs to be like some leeway in terms of how you adjudicate like what is targeting and what isn't but like what what was his name william jackson i don't even know he's a nobody their defense sucks um yeah you're absolutely right like he if you do that like you should not be able to play in the game. Like that is what the rule is intended to remove from the game. But like it, there really hasn't been any like real deterrence from players doing that. Right. It happens anyway.
2: Right. Like at the very least there should be, I I guess isn't, isn't there a rule in the NFL where if you have like two personal fouls, you get ejected. Yes. So if he had done it again, like, and it at least became like, he was either being intentionally or unintentionally reckless. Like he would have been ejected. Okay. So, so there is like some bit of control there. Um, but, but even
1: that's a stupid rule. Like in real life, you know, you don't get to murder somebody once and then get to murder somebody a second time before you like get arrested. Like, right. Yeah. I don't know why there would, there shouldn't be like a limit. Yeah. Like if you do something that egregious, you're gone.
2: Yeah. It's, it's just something that just doesn't sit right with me about the idea that like, you can knock a player out of your opponent out of the game and like like be inherently be at a strategic advantage and like just keep you get to, like the guy who did it just gets to keep on playing. Like it's not like it's a knee injury or something like that, like or someone gets caught up in the wash or something like that. But um, I don't know. That's rant over. Um I don't I hope the NFL.
1: competition committee is listening to this.
2: You know what? I, I hope I hope they are. I hope they are.
1: You know what? I would I would kill to be a spider on the wall in those like competition committee hearings about the rule changes because the, the all the really cool rule changes that get proposed about instant replay and reviewing penalties and stuff, they all get rejected for reasons that we never learn about.
2: Maybe like John Gruden sent some emails about some proposed rule changes and those will come to light eventually.
1: I will say one thing about the John Gruden emails. Yeah. You know, obviously we don't condone the language he used and he's very, did a very stupid thing. And then he was very, very stupid to get caught saying a lot of
2: emails. And basically like checked off all of the whole bingo card of like bad yeah. shit that you can, you can he's believe an, and He's say. an
1: equal opportunity offender. Um, however, I do support slandering Roger Goodell in all forms. So, that's so sorry.
0: I agree. We all hate Roger Goodell, but the ESPN coverage of this firing was so fucking hilarious because, like, in the order of operations in terms of slander on the bingo card, the first one listed was Goodell. Like, it was like he slandered everyone Goodell, women, gays. <laughs> like, it's like, no, he's not in a group of minorities,
2: orphans. Like,
0: like, what? And like, every time I was like, yeah, he really ran the gamut here, like Goodell. It's like, <laughs> nobody cares that he slandered Goodell. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. It's all the other I would,
1: stuff. But that's I would, probably why I, he got fired. Upwards of nine. I think Goodell's probably the one who leaked the emails because he's better about it.
0: Like, I heard that the Raiders knew about all the rest of it, and then they didn't fire him. So they're like, hey, we'll make it really, really hard for you to not fire him. And then they leaked everything else.
1: Goodell reminds me of uh, the like the uh, EPA official from Ghostbusters, who like wants to shut down the containment unit, Bro. and like he he ends up like causing the end of the world because he's this like stupid pencil pusher who like doesn't understand the context of the situation. He's like like an archetypical like bureaucrat bad guy in movies, and like mm-hmm. he even looks like Roger Goodell.
2: I hope one of our 15 listeners got that reference.
1: (laughs) Well, if you've seen Ghostbusters, you know what
2: I'm talking about. That's true. That's true.
1: Roger Goodell, you suck. You deserved it. Okay. Um, What else happened in the Washington game? Uh, Adam Troutman made an appearance. He's been a huge disappointment. He had a couple good catches. Yeah. Um, Player of the game though. Yeah, your boy. Some I don't funny. even. What's his first name? I just know his last name is Gilligan. Blake. Blake.
2: Blake. Blake. Laake. I think it's pronounced. Game mm. ball. Yeah. Amazing. I, well, I he think took,
0: so, took my thunder and gave him a game ball before I could give him my honor.
2: Yeah. I, I I don't know if you were going to mention this in your, in your in your game ball section, Allison. So sorry to continue to steal your thunder, but I think I believe that he was the first punter in at least twenty years. To have three punts inside the five yard line, yeah. which is like amazing. Is like literally and he averaged
0: the, over fifty yeah. yards a punt.
2: Yeah, also just, just ridiculous. But apparently, that is not good enough to win NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, uh, which went to like some unknown Eagles linebacker who like blocked the punt and had five tackles. Mazel tov guy. Um and uh, in a quickly deleted tweet, uh, Blake Gillikin responded to that news with a sarcastic LOL. So um,
1: is he afraid Goodell is gonna leak emails that Blake Gillikin sent to the Washington football team? Yeah
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, well, here's hoping that we have a motivated punter who continues to punt the shit out of the ball and um, all jokes yeah, I mean, aside, like get our kids back. Yes. Oh, my God.
0: It's Last week was so insane. Just general NFL weekend was kicking. But I'm just ready to have a competent kicker in our life again.
2: Uh, Like, Aldrick Rosas missed a lot of kicks in a couple weeks. And then we brought in Cody, double doink. Double doink. who my Chicago Bears – friend fan friends just were astonished that we and him still employed
0: in the national football League. yeah the same. And, then,
2: and he uh proceeded to miss two extra points didn't we didn't even uh kick trying to field goals against washington um no. but he missed two extra points which uh actually like thankfully the Saints ended up winning by double digits but uh making one or two of those extra points would have made it um, a three possession game uh, instead of a two possession game, uh, and would have like slightly decreased the stress <laughs> towards the end of the game. So thank you, Quaid Parkey, but he got hurt. He like hurt his groin, so he's not our kicker anymore. And we signed like the backup for um, some team, and I don't even know. Uh, hopefully, Will Lutz is able to make it back. Um, with the help of the bye week this week and then in Seattle, which is not an easy place to kick. um, But the carousel of, of kickers continues.
1: My aunt called me wondering why we uh, hadn't signed Cole Tracy from LSU. Is that guy even, I thought he was still in college, but maybe I'm wrong.
2: Uh, Honestly, with the luck that LSU is having right now, Jacob, he probably got hit by a bus. Um, I'm sorry, Cole Tracy, and your family, for wishing that on you. Not wishing, but supposing it might happen.
1: Dark, a dark turn for the podcast, yeah. indeed. Um. All right. Well, let's keep it dark. Let's talk about the loss two weeks ago against the New York Giants in the Superdome. Um, I was at the game. I went, and. I have to say in 16 years of being a season ticket holder going to games in the dome, that has to rank among the worst game day experiences I've ever had. And I'm not just talking about like the product on the field, the game. I mean, I, I had to leave early. Um, so I missed the Saquon Barkley touchdown and the overtime collapse. So I was spared from, like, the worst on-field happenings. But, man, there was all this hoopla about how the dome has been renovated. And I feel like the concourses got even more narrow than they have been before. Like, there were literally, like, places on the first level, the 100 level, where you could not pass. There were so many people in the concourse at all times. Um, Is that like I, a
0: distancing thing?
1: No, I think that,
0: like all pushed together.
1: I think there were just issues with the concession stands and not having enough food. I not went to go enough get staff. Yeah, I, so I it took me forever to find a pizza stand, and I'm two people behind the counter in line, and the lady working the pizza stand is telling everybody that they don't have enough supplies. So they may run out of pizza before they get to us. And a drunk guy starts yelling that like, he's been waiting forever for his entire pepperoni pizza that he ordered. And then, uh, he flashed a gang sign and one of the workers jumped out from behind the pizza window and like tried to beat his ass uh, so I got the hell out of Dodge, um, before something serious went down. And if any of our friends who work for the saints, cause we do have a few that still work there. If you're listening, I won't name you, but, uh, you know, it was a pizza stand by section 154. Um, yeah, it was terrible. It was just bad vibes in the dome all around. You spent all this money and, uh, the game day experience sucked. Like what the fuck guys get your shit together. It was not fun
2: yeah i i unfortunately was not able to attend that game um that was the day of my sister's wedding and i could not talk my dear mother uh, out of out of letting me go to the the dome in my tux um for at least a bit of it but uh (laughs) um yeah i saw like all those videos of like the claw the new like um egress exit points of the dome that were just like Clogged up, especially from people coming down from the uh, upper level, and uh, some people like were trapped, basically trapped in the dome for like an hour. I think it was. So uh, hopefully they figure that out um, before the Saints come back uh, in a couple weeks and they figure something out. So um, those ramps that were in the dome for so many years, they uh, may, might not have been the most aesthetically. Please the ramps
0: imagine. are
2: gone. The ramps are gone. Um, that wow, was like not sure I digested
0: things. that. That's such a childhood memory.
2: Yeah. For like the dome and the state, or someone like issued this press release saying that like after the they had some difficulties uh after the Giants game, fans leaving, that I guess stairs are apparently faster like allow for faster exit than ramps, which like, I don't think <laughs> that's true, but I don't know. It's, yeah. That's not it's, true. It, yeah. So it's kind of a mess, but, um, that whole game was a mess and, uh, definitely a good metaphor for everything that happened that day.
1: Yeah. Like I just, nobody asked for these like stupid on field suites. Maybe I'm just bitter. Cause that was my old section that got destroyed and replaced by the on-field suites. But like most football fans are like, you know, we're all like five foot six, five foot nine. (laughs) Like we definitely don't want to be on the field with guys that are like six, two, six, three, like blocking our view. Like it's literally the worst vantage point in football is to be on the field
2: with them. Yeah. So to play devil's advocate um, coming from someone who like works in the sports industry, the advent of these like on-field suites is just like another checkmark in the trend of sports teams um, really putting a uh, emphasis and on premium uh, seating experiences because uh, like show rates across sports, meaning the number of people, I mean, regardless of how many tickets they sell, the number of people that actually show up are uh, are not trending in a great direction. People are opting to stay home. And this isn't just a COVID thing, this has been happening for a few years now. Um, Televisions are better than ever and it's a lot easier to watch on awesome game experience from the comfort of your couch, especially with concession prices going up. So um, it's harder to convince like average fans to fill these seats. And so sports teams have done the simple calculus that um, we'd rather, if we can eliminate, like turn a section of like a thousand cheaper seats to like a couple hundred super premium club seats, it's a lot easier to like make that money that way. So Um, it's just something that as fans, we're going to have to have to deal with. And uh, maybe the trends will swing the opposite way, but uh, yeah, look, look for stuff like that to be more common uh, around the sports world.
1: Yeah, it's gross. hate to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. Let's, let's make games more accessible to average people by making them more expensive. With like bad sight lines.
2: That's not, the or thing, yeah, you're yeah, shaking your head not, like
1: that's not even what they want to do.
2: No, they're not going for the average person. That's the thing. They're going for the, the premium business, uh, business to business, uh, people who like really just like come to these games to like measure their dicks and, um, like network with folks. And it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not fun, but, um, for like, people that like really care about like watching the game and like having like a classic game day experience uh it's just becoming more and more corporate unfortunately so
1: i really do hate to hear that and i can tell you firsthand from sitting in the section that got turned into the suites like like it was never empty like we were not the problem like don't take our seats away and i'm sure that there are people who sat in my section who did not get relocated because there just aren't seats for them and they don't want to pay you know three four times the amount of money for the new seats
2: right Uh,
1: i just don't think that new orleans is like not the place where that needs to happen like we don't have that problem
2: yeah i i agree like it seems like they like created a solution for a problem that didn't necessarily exist so
0: it's probably copying a blueprint that other cities have done Mm -hmm. successfully like I'm sure that's a great plan in New York where it is literally the worst experience of all time, as you know, Sean, to get to MetLife. So like when I get there, I better have a fucking sick setup. (laughs) Yeah. for sure. Otherwise, like, why would you sit for three hours of transit each way? Yeah. So like do something you do at home.
1: Yeah. Like that, that type of thing makes sense in LA where most people are transplants and they're going to the game just, kind of to go to the game and they don't have a dog in the fight. So like yeah. yeah, they'll go sit in the suite and have some beers and have free sushi or whatever. Um but yeah, the last thing I want is for the Superdome to turn into the Staple Center like a, during a Clippers game
2: where nobody gives yeah. a shit.
1: I don't think it will.
2: No. We're we're a long way f- from that, but um it is just an interesting trend to follow.
1: I will say one time at a Clippers game, I saw a guy get kicked out because he was full-on vaping, like five rows behind the basket.
2: there's like See, blowing
1: Steve, clouds of smoke onto the court.
2: Steve Ballmer is a wild boy.
1: <laughs> I also saw Steve Ballmer dunk a basketball at a Clippers game once, and uh, we all won free uh, Chuck Taylor shoes because of it. It's pretty cool. Fun times, but not I as am. fun as the Dome. Unless you were there two weeks ago. Um, But the game, the Giants game itself, um, I guess really like the most like shocking development was how bad the defense looked, especially at the end of the game, like uncharacteristically bad missing tackles. Um, I actually uh, shouldn't admit this, but I have not seen the Saquon Barkley touchdown. I have not gathered. I was in the car when it happened and I have not gathered the courage to actually watch the play.
2: Yeah. I really haven't like seen it in full either. Just like read about some breakdowns of it, to be honest. Um, it, it seems like uh, from, I think it was Nick Underhill's breakdown that um, Marshawn Lattimore kind of got caught looking in the backfield and allowed Saquon to go right behind him. And uh i mean we know how good marshawn is so it's just a t- tough play by him and apparently like it was a, it was a tendency um based on like that formation and route combination that uh the giants like picked up on film uh even like within that within the game uh so like you got to tip your cap to them for uh recognizing that and daniel jones for hitting that bomb like and then he hit a couple other deep passes in that game that's the other thing like honestly like uh Daniel Jones, I mean, he played well against us uh, in that game, but it, it 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 kind of was like we were describing Jameis's performance against Washington, where like the majority of the offense came on like three or four just like bomb passes, and the rest of his day was like super pedestrian. So, um, like had,
0: yeah, I mean, yeah. he also was playing without his top two receivers. Yeah. Which is crazy. And in every other game of the year that I've had to sit through, Saquon looked like trash. So it was just like this crazy anomaly on all fronts where like he had a breakthrough game. I do feel bad for him. He got hurt last week. And yeah. It was-
2: he got, he got his bell rung. Um, yeah. Speaking of Taysom Hill. Um But
0: um, no, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. the, the Daniel Jones concussion last week was wild. Like when he like got up and then he like literally like tripped over his own two feet.
2: That was, was ugly. Like shit. But Saquon
0: sure. got really hurt on like a random ass play. Yeah,
2: He got like bumped into like after a play and like rolled his yeah. ankle. My, my fantasy team is like thrilled about that. <laughs> oh God.
0: But yeah. But either way. Inevitably I, Sean
1: I, and I's fantasy teams will come up in this podcast.
2: Yeah. I, I'll try not to bring it up too much. Because I, I, one of my pet peeves is like people talking about their fantasy team, especially like in a league that you're not even in. Because it's just like, bro, I don't care. <laughs> I'll try to stay away from. You it. see, I'm the opposite Let, way. Unless I be a hypocrite,
1: I, I'm, I'm hopelessly addicted to fantasy football, <laughs> and I love, I love hearing stories about like other people's like crazy fantasy game where they like lost by half a point because. Somebody like took a knee on the final play or some crazy shit
2: like that. That happened to one of my coworkers. It's hilarious. Uh, He uh, was up by like point four, and Josh Allen in against in the Chiefs game took three knees to end the game, and like lost his rushing total, and he lost by point two or point oh two or whatever it was. So like, imagine losing like that. That's like insane. I would, I would, I would delete of pain. I would, I would like delete my. Like fantasy team and like go move to a cabin in the woods if that happened. To me. So.
1: Well, last year I uh, during the the Saints. Uh, this will be the final fantasy football story of the night. But uh, <laughs> no, like, uh, during the Saints, <laughs> Allison's loving this. Uh, it was the Monday night game against the Chargers. Saints Chargers. I was up by like fifty points, and I ended up losing because my opponent had Mike Williams and Will Lutz, and I lost when Will Lutz kicked the game-winning field goal brutal. And that was that hurt. That brutal. one hurt pretty bad. Brutal. Anyway, um yeah, I guess I sort of felt the momentum shift in the Giants game when um the Kenny Stills touchdown bomb got called back. That was to me seemed like the turning point. It felt like we were stepping on their throats and then it just like all the momentum evaporated and it, that was a pretty bad call. I didn't really yeah. think it got called back on holding. I didn't think it was a great call. Um, and the very next play, Taysom Hill threw an interception and things yeah. felt kind of shaky after that. Um, but I guess what disturbed me the most about that game and I, it, you could kind of see it too against Washington is it feels like opposing offensive coordinators or you know, they've got enough film on our defense now, and I feel like they're they're sort of starting to figure us out a little bit. You know, and the defense is still the strength of the team, but like you're starting to see us give up some chunk plays. I mean, Taylor Heineke had like a really bad day statistically, but like Washington was moving the football on us. Um, and it was a close game, like it was a it was either tied or a one score game until pretty late in the fourth quarter. Um, so I don't know. Didn't feel I'm real that I,
0: close I, though. While I was watching it, I mean, I didn't I, think it
2: did, yeah. I, I, Not think, as close
0: as I felt at the end right. of this game.
2: Uh, I mean, honestly, like with the way I think Allison mentioned it earlier, like our defense is buckling down in the red zone, we're playing a lot of bend but don't break, and like right now, the offense isn't sustaining a lot of drives, giving up a lot of three and outs, and like we're relying on Blake Gilligan to put us in like and put the uh, opposing offense in, in like negative field positions. So, um, I mean, that's tough on a defense, but, uh, I think they're handling it like pretty well. Also remember we're missing like arguably like our two best D linemen right now. Yeah. Um, in like David on who's back in like, I think after the Seattle game and then, uh, we should get Marcus Davenport back soon. So, um, I- I'm really not that worried about the defense. Um, Marshawn Lattimore is, like, a top three at worst cornerback in the NFL right now. Um, and, like, Pete Werner and uh, – oh, my God. I'm, like, having a – like, Demario Davis. I just had a brain fart. Uh, Demario Davis are, like, an awesome uh, linebacker tandem. And, uh, I, I mean, the offense just needs to, like, help them out a little bit, not keep them on the field so much. I think the time and possession – in the Washington game was, was pretty skewed towards, towards the the Washington team. So um, yeah, I mean, like looking at the, uh, the stats right now, I mean, yeah, Heineke had a 25 QBR. We sacked him twice, no touchdowns, two picks, um, less than 50% passing, uh, rushing the ball. They did run for uh 131 and two touchdowns on us, but that was on 33 carries like Antonio Gibson, uh, was like at an even 3 yards a carry um like that's not going to beat the Saints honestly on most days so um yeah I, i'm still really confident in the defense
1: so how are we feeling heading into the bye
2: week overall i i feel good i mean like like think back what were what were your expectations what were your expectations um of the Saints after five games, you know. I would say like despite it all, if if I had told you going into the season knowing how many injuries we had and then everything with Ida, we'd be 3 and 2, I would take that, man. Um knock on wood, none of the like new injuries we've sustained in the last couple weeks are going to be that like lingering that badly. Uh, I think Taysom is super valuable to our offense. And obviously, as we discussed Deontay Harris is as well. So if we can get them both back along with the pending returns of so many guys, I mean, we have like seven starters, like theoretical starters on both between both sides of the ball. We could be coming back in the next few weeks. So um, I think this, like you got to feel good. And like, like, I don't know, like, there. what is our expectation overall for the season? That we're going to be, like, the number one or two seeds, like, in the NFC? Like, probably not. No, like, that shouldn't be your expectation going into the year. So, right now, um, we are – oh, Jacob made a double appearance. Um, (laughs) (laughs)
1: My my, my internet just crapped out. So, I, I didn't hear anything you just said. I hope it was good.
2: Wow. Um, I I hope it was too, but I guess we'll leave that to our listeners to decide, but um, all in all, I, I mean the saints, if you look at the playoff seedings right now, which is like kind of silly to do, but I, I still do it every week. Um, we're in eighth right now. So uh, based on tiebreakers, um, I think we're like right behind the, the bears who are also three and two, but I, um, We'll see how long they're going to
1: be sustainable.
2: Yeah, I don't think so. So, like, as long as we keep pace, like, we should make the playoffs this year. And like we've said in previous episodes, I think that would be an awesome, like, a, a successful season. Um, and we'll and like you'll see uh, like how far we get in the playoffs. And another thing I was thinking was that I would rather the Saints get hot and figure stuff out hit their stride at the end of the season than in October. So um, because I I feel like that's honestly like we've been so hot in October and to in the beginning, in the middle of the season, the past handful of years, and then we kind of like peter out towards the end and into the playoffs and we all know what's happened in those instances. But if it's the reverse, I wouldn't mind that at all.
1: Yeah, I can tell you we're halfway through October. We're definitely not hitting our stride yet.
2: No. Like,
1: there's uh-huh. no way that Michael Thomas – like, let's say Michael Thomas comes back against Seattle. Like, there's no way there's going to be, like, an instant connection. I mean, I would love that for my yeah. fantasy team. But, it, yeah, like, it's not going to be, like, the good old slant boy days where he comes back and our offense is, just like, instantly 10 yards of play, super efficient. It's right. just not going to happen or maybe it is maybe I'm wrong.
2: But like, I feel like I mean, who knows how Mike, Michael Thomas will look with Jameis will look with himself just be, like being bas- assume, presumably rusty um, and we'll see how healthy he, he really is. But like, you have to think that he, he's still going to have his elite hands, elite catching ability, elite route running Um and so, and that's honestly something that this team's been missing so far. We've how many times have we had guys like run routes short, or um, I mean, and Jameis is not the most accurate guy. So having a guy who catch anything in that catch radius of his is going to be super valuable with this offense. And honestly, just like a guy who can move the chains, because like we said, uh, this offense hasn't been great at sustaining at sustaining drives, and, and and is having too many quick punts. So. Um, so and, just
0: like a leader in the offense,
2: right, right. A guy, a guy who, despite all of his eccentricities, is a like major alpha dog who, um, like, just like commands and demands respect. So, um, yeah, it, I'm I'm really excited to see Mike's return, and um, I, we'll see where the offense goes when he gets back.
1: Yeah, even just his. I feel like even just Traquan Smith's presence would like open things up for us a little bit. Like the Mm -hmm. guys we have out there now, I think would all be great. Is like the third and fourth option. Definitely. You know, like if if defenses have to account for Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith. I mean, we know Traquan's capable of making plays. Like he's done it in spurts. Like even just them being out there could open things up. Like for a Callaway or a Deontay Harris or mm-hmm. Chris Hogan or whoever we tried out there for the practice squad, Kenny Stills. Um Allison, how are you feeling after this early it, bye?
0: I feel like the bye couldn't have come at a more ideal time. For sure. I think that the next five games are extremely winnable. Um Obviously, like, I'm just looking at, like, Thanksgiving against the Bills is, like, obviously, like, a really challenging game. And, like, then we play Dallas or I forget if that's the opposite order or whatever. But, like, Seahawks winnable, no Russ. I feel good about that. Um, Bucks are always winnable. Falcons winnable. Titans winnable. Like, I feel good heading into that even without all of these people we're about to get back. Um, And just, like, a week at home for these guys. Too like they basically had one week back and like then had to go back on the road again like they need time to like adjust so i'm happy with three and two i agree with sean like if you told me that in august i'd be like wow (laughs) yeah
1: i overall i'm i'm thrilled you know there have been some low moments early in the season but like it's been fun. Like I'm happy with the way things have turned out. We are in a good position to go on a run.
0: I also have to admit like even with like healthy saints withdrew, we had some head scratching losses. So like it's not entirely weird to be like like when I look back on the Carolina loss, like that is a full head scratcher. Like we just didn't show up and usually that happens later in the season, but it's not, like, a completely WTF thing that we would have had that. Yeah. Um. So I'm happy considering all of the variables that we had heading in, even despite even pre-IDA, just, like, not knowing what the yeah. fuck we were going to get.
2: Yeah. Think about, like, those, like, random Rams games from, like, when we were. Yeah. If you remember, I think it was, like, 2011. We would just, like, stink it up against the Rams. Yeah. And then, like, Lions a couple times, too. It's just, like. What are we? What are we doing? So yeah, um, yeah, but it's it's a, it's it's a fun Saints season so far, um, despite all the all the all the various frustrations and headaches. But
0: um, I'm very excited to watch the Manning cast of the Seahawks game.
2: Oh my God, that'll be fun! Yeah, they've been sure. off.
0: I've been really sad, and I'm really excited to hear them talk about us.
1: You see, I I agree with our. I, I was about to call them our friends, but the uh, Saints Happy Hour podcast that doesn't know we exist—I think like it was think them, of them said, uh, as our friends. I think they would be our friends if if we knew them, fellow travelers. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to walk into Campus Connections one day and make like weird Saints Happy Hour related comments around Dave Cariello. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it was them that <laughs> they were saying that. The Mannings would be like way more entertaining if they let them drink whiskey. The I sometimes broadcast. think
0: that Peyton is drinking. He has that red cup.
2: Oh, <laughs> just just and like, like a, he's not a, even
0: shy about it.
2: Just like a Newman dad at a football game, going yeah. to like go Going behind to the drink. bleachers. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. well, yeah. it's you know, we were around, yeah, you, you know, a guy who played football with them at Newman and Nelson Stewart and like i sort of feel like all those guys have like a similar similar vibe a similar you know air about them and the mannings on tv are like the dad joke like heavily censored version of that character yeah and like the peyton manning we saw in the united way snl skit where he's like yelling at kids and like telling kids to go sit in the porta potty like that's probably closer to what they're really like, but they can't do that on ESPN. Or I mean, he gave really a double canceled.
0: finger the other day, Eli.
1: Yeah, e- Eli had a slip up; he made a boo boo. But like, that's what I want—like the crazy shit like that. I care. I I want to hear like the weird inside stories and and like the fun anecdotes. Yeah, I don't really care as much about like their their football analysis yeah but that's just me i just want controversy drama sean and <laughs> do you have an ad read this week
2: yeah i mean uh the, the the fine folks at hornito's tequila would uh would want you to know that uh hornito's tequila it's the tequila for you if you've uh ever emailed any uh questionable shit to any redskins executives in the last <laughs> decade so drink up Hornitos Tequila.
1: Hornitos Tequila, also the official tequila of podcasters who say Redskins on their podcast oh. canceled. <laughs> Cancelled. All right. Well, that'll do it for Black and Gold BS, the Irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media, presented by Hornitos Tequila for Allison Whitlock and Sean Haspel. I'm Jacob Krasno. And uh, until next week, who dat?
2: Who dat? Who dat?